Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 75, released on March 30th, 2011. My name is Steve Eunice and joining me is Scotty. G'day, Scotty. How you going? Hey, what's happening, everyone? What's new in uh, in the world of Scotty V? Oh, everything is old. Everything is old. <laughs> it's still freezing cold over here while you're in your summer. Okay, okay. And, uh, it's just uh, we're at the end of March here, and it still feels like the dead of winter. Yeah, well, uh, I think we're uh, starting to cool down here. The uh, the summer heat has dissipated somewhat, and uh, still comfortable, but still wearing short sleeve shirts while you're rugged up. So uh, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting times. Yeah, and good stuff. Interesting times in the world of Superman too. Uh, let's get into our discussion topics. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about just looking at our rundown sheet here um heaps of movie casting news um where do you want to start oh there's all kinds of things going on i think you got to start with the parents though as they are the core of everything that is everything right <laughs> yeah definitely we've got the kents uh, yeah the kents martha kent and jonathan kent have been cast for the new movie which will be directed by Zack snyder starring henry cavill as the man of steel um, Diane Lane was officially announced as Martha Kent, and as rumoured, Kevin Costner is officially Jonathan Kent. What are your thoughts? Oh, I think that this is beautiful. I mean, not to mention Diane Lane herself is beautiful. <laughs> um, but uh, Kevin Costner's a, a nice slice of American uh, apple pie, and and uh, and Diane Lane again, just just beautiful. And I think they, uh, Diane Lane specifically, just brings sort of a a grace and a, and a posture to the role that I think is uh, is really going to be great because I, I don't really think we've seen that movie wise. Um, you know, in Superman Returns, uh, we had we had a little bit of, of Martha, but it almost seems like we're going to get more of the parents in this movie than we've seen in some time. Now, there's been a lot of comments regarding their age, especially Diane Lane. Um, she is a younger Martha than what we've seen in previous films, uh, but yet she's pretty much the same age as what Annette O'Toole was when she started on Smallville. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on her age? Well, it's interesting. On Smallville, it was a little easier to accept because Clark was uh, such a young kid. Yeah, uh, This is going to be a full – well – we don't even know exactly. Maybe he's going to be uh, starting before the suit. Who knows exactly? Yeah. Um, I think there's been some rumor that it's going to be the traveling Clark, the guy who's learning about the world, the guy who's moving around. But we don't know yet. You know, if it was something like that, you know, um, Martha could still be um, that age. But also in movies, they they tend to sometimes uh, have an easy ability to move someone up in age. So if they wanted someone of Diane Lane's stature to play Martha, but they still want her to be in her 50s or 60s, I don't think that's going to be extremely difficult to accomplish with makeup and with her acting ability. I'm sure she can act the, the role. Yeah. Or they could go that, that younger route, depending on where they're starting in life. I personally like a younger couple. Um, you know, They kind of did away with the elderly couple in some of the continuities in the comics and then in some of them you still see a very aged kent's finding him in the field so i'm not exactly sure where we are in real continuity or in current continuity but i do like it when uh 
a couple in their 30s or 40s or so um, finds him in the field. And then, of course, they'd only be 60 or so when he grew up to be Superman. Yeah. And yeah, we'd, like you said, we don't know exactly when in Superman's career this film will be set, whether it's early days or whether, you know what, I mean, we've kind of heard hints that it will be, you know, in the early days of Superman, but we don't know whether or not he's an established superhero or whether it's about him, you know, becoming Superman or finding his feet as Superman. Um, we don't even know if Diane Lane and Kevin Costner will necessarily be uh, main characters in the main story of the of the movie. They might be you know, in flashbacks for all we know, which, you know, they could definitely be younger. Um, but as you said, it's not hard for them to make characters look older, especially, I mean, for Diane Lane, whenever she's seen in public or whenever she's at an awards show or, you know, if she's in a film, they'll obviously do her up to look as young as possible because that's what most women want to to appear, especially when they're getting older. So, um, you know, put a few greys in her hair or, you know, whatever, and she'll look definitely uh, older than what she appears in photos that we've seen of her online at the moment. That's right. She's beautiful. And again, she oh, yeah. has the stature and the poise. And I think it would be kind of interesting. You mentioned flashbacks. If if uh, if if I like it and, and some people have their own varying views on this, I like it when Superman is uh, either just starting or well into his career and both of his parents are still alive. Mm, yep. uh, you know, they've recently killed off Jonathan in the comics. I'm extremely saddened by that. But I liked it on, on, on say, Lois and Clark and, and for several years, maybe 10 or 15, maybe even 20 years, uh, Martha and Jonathan were both alive and Superman would fly back periodically, hang out with them, have dinner, get some advice, fly back home. And it would all be just like having dinner with your parents if they lived right around the corner. Yeah. I like having them there. I think it would be real neat if they did some flashback stuff because this is not supposed to be a typical origin story, at least by – some of the rumors that we've heard, hmm. but if they showed us some of the backstory with him as a child, with them in their current age, and then in the in the story as it goes, having them aged, because the you know casting them at the age that they are lends itself to that. They could do flashbacks where they had a boy Clark or a slightly younger Clark, you know, uh, mm. interacting with them, mm -hmm. um, looking the way they do, as you mentioned in the photos we see of Diane Lane online, the way she looks now. But then they could also have in the current storyline where Superman is Superman, them grayed and, and, and white haired and, and acting a little older. I think that would be kind of a neat little, uh, again, something else I don't think we've seen movie wise there have been flashbacks on Smallville, flashbacks on you know some of the other television shows, but it'd be kind of neat if that's the way they delved into some of how Superman became who he is. Yeah, definitely. Now the other big casting news, and uh, we're lucky this one snuck in just before we uh, yes. recorded this one because we usually happens. <laughs> we've uh, maybe Zack Snyder is a fan of the podcast and uh, said, "Oh, look, let's give these guys a break and give a bit of a casting announcement prior to their recording the podcast." But um, <laughs> yes, we've... he was thinking of us. I'm positive of it. <laughs> so uh, we've got Amy Adams as cast as Lois Lane. Uh, wasn't necessarily on many people's radar. There were a few people, um, you know, naming other female actresses uh, such as uh, what's her name, Wild, and um, uh, Rachel, Rachel McAdams. McAdams was another one. Mm -hmm. Olivia Wilde was the other one. Um, so, but Amy Adams, uh, I'm actually impressed. Uh, she's you know, an Oscar nominee. She's been she's got a diverse range of character roles that she's done in the past, and is a well known and and well recognised actress that uh, I think will draw people to the film who might not necessarily have seen the you know wanted to see the film. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, um, she, again, as you said, she has these accolades um, been been heaped upon her in recent years. And before that, she was showing up in, in uh, different roles, interesting roles. And uh, I think she's a, a great actress. She's got a she's got a diverse ability. She's very talented. She can sing, which, uh, you know, we've seen Lois do and some other incarnations as well. I don't necessarily expect that in this movie, but, <laughs> you know, an undercover Lois on stage in a nightclub or something. Um, and she's beautiful. I, I, you know, the picture that you chose to put online, too, uh, at the homepage is, is just uh, perfect. I mean, um, I'm looking at the comments now and, and just seeing that people are saying, oh, I can't see it. It's that she's too old. She's this. She's that. Some people are very positive about it. But a lot of people are, are kind of having the reaction that she's too old or she doesn't have the lowest look. She should be Lana. Her hair is red, this and that. And you always have this when you have, yeah. when you have castings. Uh, first of all, hair can be dyed or changed. Doesn't necessarily have to be, although it's one of those things where when Daniel Craig came out as the new James Bond, everyone was up in arms that he had blonde hair. I think now we've gotten to a point where people are kind of accepting of that. Um, I'm not sure about the red hair, but I don't really expect that that's the way they're going to leave it either. And uh, look at look at her, her looking over her shoulder there. She seems to, to me, has a Lois look. If, if I picture her hair a little darker and I picture her um, in the newsroom talking to Clark, I, I really think it, it could work really well. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, you probably saw the uh, uh, news report about Noel Neal giving Amy uh, Adams the uh, thumbs up <laughs> that she... You know, she was, uh, you know, impressed and she likes her. And, uh, you know, to her credit, Noel Neal came to us with that comment. Um, and right, looked- she stopped right at my house. She knocked on the door <laughs> and she, she gave me this piece of paper and I read it and it said, I approve. And I, oh, okay, good. <laughs> and you look at the, the two photos uh, side by side with Noel in the Superman serials in 1948 as Lois Lane and uh, Amy Adams uh in her current state with her red hair. And there's quite a similarity between the two of them. And we have to remember that, yes, okay, it was black and white originally when she was first seen, but uh, Noel Neal played Lois Lane as a redhead in the 1950s. Uh, even uh, Erica Durance, when she, the first season of Smallville that she appeared on, she had a, you know, a sandy blonde type of mm-hmm. brown hair. It wasn't necessarily the black hair that everyone's saying that Lois that, has that, to have. It, that I will admit that bothered me a little bit. I don't know how you felt about that, but I was. Um, it took a little while. I was like, "Why does she have blonde hair?" I mean, mm-hmm. how hard is it to dye someone's hair? Um, so yeah, I mean, I can see some of the people being a little worried about that, but I, I, I really don't expect that they're going to keep her hair uh, red. But yeah, um, Noel Neal was a redhead then, and uh, it was a black and white show. And I guess they had what two seasons in color, and they didn't do anything with her hair. It just was what it was. Yeah, well, actually, most of it was most of Noel's time on the Adventures of Superman was shot in color, but most people only had color uh, black and white televisions okay. back then, so that's why they only saw it in black and white. But uh, the DVDs, uh, most of the seasons that she's in are actually in color, which was just the foresight of the people producing the show at the time realized that color television would uh, would be something, and you know thought that the show's longevity would enable people to see it in color eventually, which was a great foresight. But uh, getting back to Amy Adams. Uh, she actually appeared in season one of Smallville, um, That's right. which is uh, interesting, and um, you know, not many one people remember her. One of the worst effects her. ever. I think. <laughs> yeah. She, her mouth, her mouth extended all the way down to the street as she was biting into that deer. 
And I said, wow, that's a really bad effect. Yeah, but uh, that is like 10 years ago now. So, you know, uh, it's uh, obviously a long time ago for her and her acting career. And, and interestingly uh, enough, uh, sorry to interrupt, that's she right. was playing, I think she was supposed to be playing someone 16 or 18. Mm. And that's ten, nine or ten years ago, and now she's uh, thirty-six, which means she was twenty-six playing someone sixteen to eighteen. There you go. So, to the people who are saying, "Oh, she's so old, she's so old," she's already pretty, uh, pretty, pretty much an expert at playing someone eight to ten years younger than uh, she actually is, as evidenced by the deer-eating woman on Smallville. <laughs> and Tom Welling does the same thing for Clark Kent. He plays Absolutely. younger than he is. So I, I can certainly see – one thing that I found very strange is that if you look at the ages, Henry Cavill's going to be 27, Amy Adams is 36, and Diane Lane is 46. Hmm. So if you look at it that way, you go, wow, uh, Clark's love interest is 10 years younger than his mom. <laughs> and that does seem a little odd, but I really don't think they're going to play it that way. No, so. that's the thing. These people are actors. They play something other than what they – truly are in real life so it's not a stretch for henry cavill to be playing you know older clark kent or you know it's even if superman is of a certain age but happens to look younger it's because maybe he's kryptonian they don't age the same way humans do i mean you know it's not really from krypton (laughs) he doesn't actually fly either oh my goodness you're ruining everything i know i know suspend your belief disbelief Uh, that's right (laughs) But uh, it's been an interesting last month. We've had Zack Snyder uh, doing a lot of media interviews for his new movie, Sucker Punch, which is getting mixed reviews. Um, people, mostly negative reviews, but uh, that's, that aside, he's had a few comments uh, about Superman in his uh, interviews uh, promoting Sucker Punch. And uh, it's he seems to be hitting all the right targets for me with all his comments. He seems to be saying pretty much the right things. First of all, I got to say Sucker Punch is probably the worst title I've ever heard for a movie. <laughs> I mean, the movie's supposed to be about this girl lost in her own subconscious and trying to get out or where what what does that even mean? Uh but anyway, um yeah, I, yeah, I mean the the comments he's been making are putting a lot of people's minds at ease. I mean, I've even seen uh, a downtrend in the negative comments, and mm. uh, I'm sure uh, all these years running it, you know that that can often be kind of a, an odd thing because most of the time, um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, that 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 people hate things as much as they say they do, but I think it's a, a concern. I think it's a genuine genuine worry and a hope, but still feeling that slightly negative pull that we haven't gotten anything great in years and years. Why is this going to be anything different? And and people tend to whine about it because they're really worried and they want to see a great Superman movie. And and I've actually seen with a lot of these uh, Zack Snyder comments that the people have been on a downtrend in terms of being complaining. They've, they've been on the positive side a lot more than I'm used to seeing. Yeah, well, it's – and, you know, he's people are saying, oh, Sucker Punch is really bad or it's getting negative reviews. And Snyder has already said that Superman, in comparison to Sucker Punch, will be more like a documentary meaning that it's going to be more realistic, it's going to be uh, not as um, idealised, it's going to be set in the real world. So, you know, don't compare one movie to the next. Um, you know, he did 300, he did Watchmen, um, he's done other films, so it's not like uh, just because he's doing one film in a particular way that his next film is going to necessarily be of a similar type of film. It's, you know, two different stories. He didn't write 
Superman. Superman has been written by David Goyer with uh, Christopher Nolan. So uh, let's obviously keep that in mind that the story in Sucker Punch was Zack Snyder's own story where uh, Superman will be written by other people and Zack Snyder will be uh, taking that as the director. What I like about Sucker Punch, and I haven't seen the movie, but bad as it may be or deserving of the negative reviews or deserving of the positive reviews, it clearly has a supreme visual style. Yeah. It's it's I mean he's really going for it with the action, with the explosions, with the robots, with the with the effects, which tells me that he definitely has the eye and the talent for crafting some possible <laughs> fight scenes, explosion scenes, um, of supervillain scenes, if they in fact get into that in either this first film or another film. My concern is that he does mention that this is going to be the most realistic film he's ever made, which then leads me back to thinking it's more Donner-esque, which a lot of people are looking to get away from, because even though back then it was ahead of its time and it was the film that all other superhero films were trying to live up to, it doesn't have any supervillains. It doesn't have any giant things going on. It has some bank robbers. It has some little regular realistic things. So I think people hope that when Snyder says he's going to make it realistic, he doesn't mean that he's not going to have these big fights that we're looking for. And I think that in some of his other comments, he's mentioned that this is going to be a physical Superman, a Superman who lets loose, and a Superman that we get to see using the full gamut of his powers, which then brings me back to it seems that that must mean that we're going to see some massive fights and, and possibly a, a great slew of, uh, of villain possibilities. Yeah, well, speaking of villains, uh, there have been some rumours in regards to uh, Viggo Mortensen. Uh, another one was Edgar Ramirez and Michael Shannon all being named as possibilities for a villain role in the movie. Um, Snyder came out and said that uh, Mortensen wasn't going to be in the film and a lot of people assumed that because he'd been tied with the Snow White film that that was the case. Uh, but since Snyder has made those comments, uh, Mortensen has actually dropped out of the Snow White film, leading people to believe that he may indeed be uh, available again for the villain role in the Superman film. So we'll just wait and see. There have been no... Um, we don't even know what villain the role might be. We're just waiting to see to hear more casting uh, news from Snyder and Warner Brothers. You know, we're at that point in the uh, early going of, of, of the new Superman movie where I remember this with Superman Returns. Everybody was everybody was on the edge of their seat. Everyone was was waiting <laughs> for the next announcement, and each time one came out, they were like, "Okay, what's the next one?" It's yeah. kind of all. It's, it's almost like you can't even enjoy Amy Adams for a short time, and now <laughs> everyone's trying to pound away and, and get. What the next? Okay, we need a villain now. What's the next one going to be? That's right. Um, looking at these two guys, Edgar Ramirez and, and Michael Shannon, um, I can see. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I know people are kind of trepidatious about a Zod thing again. I think that we could go a different route with Zod, and Zod could still be very interesting if that is the way they decide to go. And certainly, uh, Vigo Mortensen in his pictures uh, as the king in, in uh, Return of the King. Uh, give a good look at what a what a what a modern take on Zod could be. Um, uh, I think this is uh, Edgar Ramirez. Um, 
looks like he could be a Zod type character. And mm. um, looking at Michael Shannon, I, I'm almost seeing a, um, uh, a Brainiac. Okay. I, I'm thinking Metallo. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, Brainiac, um, just by the way. Um, the shape of his face. The facial structure. Mm. The, yeah, I, if they wanted to go that way. But again, if we're talking realism, we're talking uh, being realistic, I'm not sure they're going to go that route either. But just a couple of things that I thought maybe if they were really in talks or if there was really something going on. Yeah, uh, well, I could also see Edgar Ramirez as a Metallo type of character as well. Okay. Well, I have, I'm not familiar with Edgar Ramirez, and uh, obviously everyone knows Viggo Mortensen, but uh, Michael Shannon impressed me uh, in the fil- few films that are, and TV shows that I've seen him in. Um, he has the, a real edge to him, and uh, I could even see him as a possible Lex Luthor if they decided to uh, you know shave his head and, uh, and put him in that role. But uh, we'll wait and see just what they do with the villain role. Um, like you said, seems to be on to the next, on to the next when it comes to these cast yeah. decisions. Um, we've got four solid cast members now with Henry Cavill as Clark Kent Superman, uh, Amy Adams as Lois Lane, Diane Lane as Martha Kent, and Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent. And that's a great foundation to start from. I love these. They're surrounding him. They're surrounding our Superman with award-winning actors uh, that are that have been around for quite for a while. Each of them in their own right, and they've done some great work. So I, I think that we're shaping up pretty well. Yep. So. Uh... We'll wait and see what happens with the Superman movie in regards to other news. We do know that they're going to be start filming in August. So uh, there is, um, you know, Snyder has said that they will be doing stuff in Vancouver, but there's also reports that they'll be doing uh, some filming in Illinois, uh, near Chicago. So uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on all that and uh, just see how it progresses with all this movie news for the new Superman film. We don't even know the title of the movie yet. People still think it's called Superman Man of Steel, but uh, no official title has been uh, put forth by Warner Brothers. Even in their official press releases, they don't actually name a title of the film. So there's a lot of stuff still to come out, and uh, stay tuned to the Superman homepage. We'll bring you all that uh, information and all the rumours as they come to hand. That's right. We've always got it, so that's where you want to go. Now, when they do complete this movie, I guess they're going to be releasing yet another Superman collection (laughs) to add to the one that uh, they're about to release uh, coming up here. Yeah, well, there have been rumors for quite a bit uh, about a a compilation of Superman films being released on Blu-ray. We know we had the the, the massive Superman uh, collector's edition uh, box set of all the Superman films on DVD uh, a couple of years ago, but now they're releasing the complete Superman collection on Blu-ray, and um, it's not actually been officially announced by Warner Brothers, though they have confirmed to me that yes, they will be making an official announcement soon. But the DVD, the, sorry, the Blu-ray collection is available uh, on Amazon.co.uk, the UK version of Amazon.com, uh, and will soon, I guess, be listed on Amazon.com for pre-order. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to go that way myself, although Blu-ray, for people who haven't switched over yet and, and for people who are looking for a reason, uh, this might be the one because uh, I got to tell you, if you have an HD TV and you got a Blu-ray player, uh, Blu-ray really does make a difference. A lot of these transitions, I think they got to do some work. You know, you do, you have Superman 3 where he's landing at the factory that's on fire and, and, and you can see the wires literally lowering him down as he's supposedly flying down to the scene. Mm-hmm. They got to get rid of those, uh, you know, because they're just going to be glaring in high def. But yeah. um, these movies, um, 
do look good. I mean, I have the original on Blu-ray. Uh, I bought the Richard Donner cut on Blu-ray, so I don't know that I'm going to need to get this collection myself. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't gotten them yet and you're looking to upgrade to Blu-ray, this might be an excellent opportunity. Definitely. So uh, we'll uh, keep you apprised of the official announcement of that uh, collection when Warner Brothers issues that collection uh, announcement. But uh, let's move into uh, TV news. Um, Smallville has been on a break uh, since we last uh, recorded our uh, previous podcast. And the episode that aired uh, during that time, the only episode, was Scion, the Superboy-centric episode with Connor Kent being introduced. Yeah, they're they're just pulling out all the stops, I guess, when it comes (laughs) to introducing characters well before their time. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the criticism that uh, you and I and even Neil Bailey when he was reviewing the show kept uh, pulling up was the fact that they're bringing in all these characters uh, that are introduced in every other continuity post-Superman being announced, but uh, uh, we're getting them before Superman's even uh, around in Smallville, the TV series. Yeah, well, here's the thing, and to, to cut them a little slack, which is something I rarely do... Um, they, uh, they, we're not going to see that. We're not going to get to 10 years into Superman's no. career. So I think that they're trying to give us everything that they can in, within that time frame, within the, the, the time that we're in. It's a 10-year span of, of Clark's younger period of life before he's become Superman. And a lot of characters have shown up and we've said, well, they're not supposed to be here yet. Um, but that would then require them to come up with a lot of um, – made up stuff which they seem to do in the first and second seasons with cold boy and fire boy and you know kids who got powers from meteor rocks but weren't necessarily named after characters and but then they decided to get into the comics and and i think that obviously the fanboys and girls love it and uh, it's fun uh, as much as it's out of place and and still makes you think we're in an elseworlds rendition but uh, it's, it's 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 neat yeah, I didn't mind the Superboy episode. I thought uh, it was an interesting twist having Alexander, the clone of Lex Luthor, become uh, Connor Kent, uh, which Absolutely. in the comics is, you know, Connor, he, uh, he is a clone uh, made up of DNA belonging to Lex Luthor and uh, Superman. So uh, it's an interesting uh, version of that uh, story for Smallville. And, and like uh, Miss Martian, I love the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, but it just it's just another kind of uh thorn in your side really when it comes to you know that whole thing of well you know who's inspiring who you know is Uh is clark kent uh, is superman inspiring all these other heroes to you know take up the mantle or is or all these other heroes kind of saying well hey you know clark come on step out of the shadows we're all doing it what's what's your problem We've already gotten to that. I mean, in Smallville, we we know what it is. It's kind of like they're they're trying to sell us uh, a bill of goods that says that the reason the other heroes are doing it is because uh, they know how great Clark is. But uh, truly, they are all out of the shadows, and he's still kind of hesitant about doing it. But the good thing here, at least, is that the super symbol has been seen all over town. Yeah. It is on Clark's uniform that he is wearing now. So it's not like Superboy is the first one to be donning it. And he's not – I mean he is kind of wearing it because of uh, the blur and because yeah. of the symbol. And so it's a known thing. At least that's one way that we've kind of uh, – we could say that he was inspired to at least wear that symbol for that reason. Exactly. Now we do have uh, Booster – 
Gold and the Blue Beetle turning up in an upcoming episode. TVGuide.com have uh, recently released our first look at those character designs. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you're not impressed? Uh, the characters look fine. It's not that I'm not impressed. It's just that we have seven hours left, six episodes, seven hours left of this show that's supposed to be about the transition from young Clark to Superman. And and we're still being given episodes about drunken disorderliness where people are robbing trucks and tearing down signs and making fools of themselves and dressing up as strippers and dancing in casinos. And then we still have episodes about other heroes like Booster Gold and Blue Beetle who are all fine and all well and good on an episode of JLU or, or, or even on an episode of Smallville where they meet Clark and he influences them and he teaches them how to do something or he helps them when they need help. But, but to come in with, with seven hours left to go, somewhere in the middle there, I don't know if it's going to be the second episode back from break, the third episode back from break, but it just seems like more wasted space to introduce more characters to a show kind of already being waterlogged with characters to have these more characters come in when we're really running out of time to get to the core of what the fans have been waiting for for 10 years. So it just seems like uh, we're getting away again from what we're supposed to be at. And now I'm hearing that Booster, who is kind of a goofy movie star type superhero who who in the future gets paid and 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 does it for advertising and is going to come and show Clark how he needs to have a secret identity haven't we already gotten to that yeah. doesn't he already know that i mean do we really need booster gold to come and say hey clark you really need to be a better hero i mean does that sound ridiculous to anybody but me? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we've got that booster episode coming up. We've also got uh, the next new episode airing on April 15th is titled Kent and has John Schneider returning as Jonathan Kent. I like that. I don't have anything negative to say there. <laughs> I, I love John Schneider. I've, I, I, miss him. I miss him when he's gone. And I, I, I thought it was great when they brought him back in the premiere. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not that happy with the way they did it because it seemed like he actually was a ghost and he did appear there. I would have rather it been in Clark's uh, unconscious state uh, when he met the Lex or whatever. But uh, it was neat. It was very touching. And um, now, of course, we're getting a live Jonathan Kent from the alternate universe, so it'll be a little different. But uh, he's a great actor and he brings a lot to the show. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, definitely. So that's on April 15th uh, on the CW at 8 p.m. on Friday, April 15th, the next new episode of Smallville. Now, we actually, at the end of an era, they've filmed the final day of, uh, of filming for Smallville in Vancouver. Uh, oh, they've had their wrap party. It's, uh, it's done. Yeah, it's, it's in the can. <laughs> And so I face my final curtain. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're about to drop uh, the curtain on Smallville, huh? Yeah. So they uh, finished well. finished filming. It's all in the can. Obviously, the editing and post production on the final episodes uh, are yet to be done. But um, they've wrapped filming, and uh, everyone's uh, said their goodbyes. And uh, now it's uh, up to us to watch what they've done. And hopefully enjoy uh, the final few episodes of Smallville forever. Yeah, I've just wiped a tear from my cheek. I, it's going to be an odd sensation not having Smallville around as much as 
we collectively as fans sometimes complain about it. Uh, it is what it is. It has been what it has been, but it's, but it's, it's, it's a, obviously a part of our lives for 10 years. Yeah. And uh, now it's going to be gone. So certainly there will be a little bit of a hole there um, as much as sometimes I've thought about giving up watching it over the years. Yeah. Now, even Zack Snyder has commented on, uh, you know, on the, the great job that Smallville has done in keeping Superman in the consciousness of people uh, everywhere. So uh, it's done a good job in, in keeping the, the name Superman and Clark Kent uh, alive and um, you know it, it is some, to some people the only Superman they've ever known, uh, the only Clark Kent they've ever known. So uh, for many people, Tom Welling is their Superman. So um, you know it's uh, a big part of the mythos and a big part of the seventy plus years of Superman history. That's right. I love Tom. I've never had a problem. No, neither have uh, I. With his portrayal of Clark, it's not about him at all. It's it's to me. It's always been about the writing and, and what they decide to do, which I think is a little off sometimes. Yep. But again, I'm not writing for television. I'm sitting at home doing a podcast. So you know, <laughs> uh, a lot of people could say, "Hey, why don't you go try?" And uh, and I know that uh, it's a difficult thing to do, and and they're under time constraints. Uh, but I think they've certainly dropped the ball enough times. But Tom's been great. And for a while, I myself thought Tom would be a wonderful transition uh, to the movie. I know why they're not doing it. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I feel for the people who really wanted to see him in the suit and, and be Superman. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I certainly could have seen that. And I think he fits the part rather well. Okay, now in other TV news, Young Justice, the animated series uh, with all the young heroes, uh, we had uh, a couple of episodes since our last podcast. Uh, one was called Downtime with Aqualad going back to Atlantis to decide whether or not he wanted to be part of the Young Justice team or whether or not he felt that his, uh, his life was back in Atlantis. Um, what did you think of that episode? I got to say, and I've said this on my uh, Great Scott segment, and I said it last month, this show is so good, and I am so surprised by how good it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hearing now that they're doing the, the, the miniseries next year, and, yes. it, and I'm hearing that maybe we're done with new episodes this year, and I'm so upset because I, I feel like I've only seen a few, and they've been so every one of them has been so great for me. I just want to see more. I want uh, instead of 13 or 12 or whatever, I want 20 episodes. I want 22 episodes. Give me more episodes. Keep them coming because they're so good. Uh, this downtime was a, was a character study. Uh, a lot of people make fun of the name Aqualad. A lot of people think Aquaman's a nobody. But uh, these guys are, are, are strong figures in, in Atlantis. And uh, Aquaman has been revamped uh, in the comics and revamped in his uh, place in the Justice League. And I think he's a lot uh, cooler than people give him credit for. And this episode was just uh, really good. You had the Black Manta in there. Uh, you had um, Aquaman's soon-to-be foe, is his brother or whatever, who turns on him later. You, you had a lot of things that we may not get to because this is about the young people. But, but, but nods to what will come or what has come before. And you had, the, you had Starro in there. It was so many cool things in this episode. Uh, and, of course, it always comes from a woman. Aqualad was going to give it all up because he was going to stay because he loved the girl. And, and, of course, 
she broke his heart because she's uh, with the other guy now. <laughs> with his best friend. So That's yeah, right. that downtime was was a like you said a character study for Aqualad, and they do that. They have certain episodes that focus more on one particular character than the others, and they're each given a turn. And you know, we saw we saw some episode, we saw some sorry scenes with the Flash family and what they were doing, and you know, while Aqualad was in Atlantis, and we saw what Superboy was doing. You know, with <laughs> it was Ms. so Martian. funny when Superboy was <laughs> and Miss Martian wanted to cook, and then Red Tornado came in and just left. It was I laughed out loud. It was hilarious because he just didn't even want to get into it. He saw what was going on and he just walked out of the room. It was and those it was it was silent. They were just sitting there. It was just funny. Yeah, they do some real so good, good character moments. And then the next episode was bereft with uh, all the characters in Bialia, I think the country was the the uh, character the char- sorry the country that they've created for this uh, episode uh, where they all lost their memories and uh, had to kind of come to, back together and Miss Marsh and help them re, uh, collect their memories together to recall what had happened and save the day. It was cool. I love the way they did it. I love the way they did the flashbacks with Batman talking to them. Uh, I love the way Miss Martian had to save Superboy because she's got feelings for him and also because they're team members and because it's important and they can't leave him behind. And I love how they came together at the end uh, in her mind to, to fight against the, the mind-controlling guy. Simon. I don't know. Yeah, Simon. He's a person. Who's that? Simon. Simon, with, with okay. With a P, with a silent P. Right. Is he supposed to – is he someone that – that you're familiar with from the comics at all? I, I have heard his name, um, but obviously it's a, a different character design than, than what I recall. But, um, yeah, he's obviously a guy that has mind powers, mind control powers, and um, and uh, it was interesting to see that dynamic between he and Miss Martian fighting on similar terms in a, in a mental uh, capacity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, Superboy lending his stubbornness to her efforts. <laughs> It was great. I love it. I love the show. And, uh, I'm was, sure people would get that by now. Yeah. <laughs> it was good to see Superboy Hulk out, if you like, uh, because he has no memories prior to those six months that were wiped mm. out. And so he was just a mindless creature who just had no knowledge of anything. So it was interesting to see how each character, uh, especially with even with uh, Kid Flash and uh, Artemis, Artemis, or however you pronounce the name, how the two of them, um, you know, kind of had feelings for each other, but... Uh, you know, they're yeah. kind of dancing around it. It's one of those things where naturally uh, they seem to be inclined to go toward each other. But attitude-wise and personality-wise, <laughs> when they remember everything and know who each other are, they're kind of repelled by each other. Yeah, and we still don't know what Artemis's uh, backstory is, whether or not she's actually somebody who's been put there for uh, an ulterior motive. She's got something sneaky going on. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, and as you mentioned, uh, there is a 10-episode miniseries that's been announced for Young Justice called Young Justice Invasion. We don't yet know when that will air or when we'll, that will see the light of day, but it was announced in conjunction with uh, the DC Nation block that has been announced for Cartoon Network uh, in 2012. They'll be doing a, a whole slew of DC-related projects and you know they'll be obviously airing uh, DC cartoons that obviously may be Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and other Batman and Superman animated uh, series that have come in the past, as well as having some behind the scenes looks at some of the upcoming projects the film projects that uh with green lantern and uh superman and uh possibly even the flash and all those films that are going on uh that are set in the dc universe uh this dc nation block on cartoon network will give us uh everything flavored dc 
I am so excited by this. I feel like I feel like I'm 10 years old and I'm I'm just <laughs> waiting to see the Super Friends for the first time. I'm like, thank God that they're doing something like this. I, I mean, how many characters, how many stories, how many things we can do um, with more hours on television? And I I, I think it's great. I think it's great. Now, now, I'm looking forward to the Invasion 10 episode thing, and I'm also looking forward to the other, whatever they come up with. And I'm hoping that in conjunction with the new Superman movie, that it's a success and that we see new Superman toys and cartoons and, and just a slew of stuff that seemed to come about when Batman became number one and, and was just so popular. And when Spider-Man had his big movies, Superman, for me, we need to have his day again. Yes, definitely. Now, Superman had his day on Batman the Brave and the Bold uh, for a couple of seasons now. Everyone was wondering when Superman would make an appearance on Batman the Brave and the Bold, the animated series. Uh, he had a, a cameo appearance in a Justice League episode a while back, but uh, this episode that uh, just recently aired uh, on Cartoon Network was titled uh, Battle of the Superheroes and was a full-fledged Superman episode. And... Uh, I've got to tell you, I was quite impressed. I sat and and laughed and was just amazed at so many of these little uh, in-jokes and uh, all the little Superman things that they threw in there in a Batman episode. As you were describing the episode, I was just singing the theme song <laughs> in my head and I was whistling it. And, uh, <laughs> it's I thought really I was boring a you for a really second is. there. As opposed to Young Justice, which really takes itself seriously and, and it's mm. really great character work and it's uh, dramatic. Um, uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold is, is not particularly dramatic, but it is fun and it's hilarious. Yeah. And the things that they do and the things they have characters saying, it reminds me a lot of a show called The Tick from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. just, just the way people talk. And it clearly is a silver agey take on these characters. Um, and I enjoyed the show. Um, I was disappointed, I will say, um, mainly because I felt that the characterization was was off. Even if you're doing kind of a silly, goofy, funny take, which is what I like about this show. I love Aquaman, by the way, on this show. <laughs> um, I thought Lois was off. I thought Jimmy was off. I thought Crypto was off. Uh, obviously, Superman's been affected by red kryptonite. Lois knows something's wrong. She even says uh, something's wrong with Superman. But in almost the very next scene, she's picking up tomatoes and carrying picket signs and, and calling him a jerk. Mm. As opposed to being the reporter, being the investigator, working with Batman and trying to figure out what's wrong, she's the one that's immediately turns on him. And I don't that doesn't ring well for me as Lois. Jimmy in the very first scene is trying to scam Superman out of his secret identity by telling <laughs> him that he's dying. And again, that doesn't feel like a best friend move to me. It doesn't feel like Jimmy to me. Crypto, who sticks by Superman's side through thick and thin, almost immediately is growling at him and ready to work with Batman. And again, the loyalty angle falls flat and doesn't feel like Crypto to me. I know the show's fun and it's meant to be fun and it's meant to be silly. And I laughed at the parts I was supposed to laugh at and I like the show for that reason. But I thought, they, they, I thought the characters were off. Uh, on this yeah fair enough i could see where you're going with that i was just uh, uh i guess lost in the story not so much in the story but in all the uh the little uh like i said in jokes all the little things that they threw in there i mean that jimmy olsen trying to get superman's 
Secret Identity is a throwback to an old Silver Age comic book. They even some of the panels, some of the the way that it was drawn, the angles. There was you know a a, a Dark Knight. Um, the Return of the Dark Knight kind of scene, you know, one of a flash when Superman and Batman are fighting. One of the, the the cover of one of those comics where Batman is punching down Superman um, in the in Dark Knight Returns. There's, um, you know, c- certain panels the way they were framed was identical to Superman comic books or uh, comic books that have been published in the past. Um, you know, we saw so many of the different villains: Metallo, Mixie, uh, you oh, know, Lex, cool. and sure. Lex was in a, you know, in a, in a kind of a uh, machine that was similar to the Superman um, uh, vehicle that he used at one super point. Supercar or whatever. Supercar, yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of uh, in-jokes there and a lot of throwbacks that uh, were obviously intended as uh, an homage to past uh, Superman stories and Superman covers and Superman comics. So uh, for that, I enjoyed it. And like you said, yeah, there were, there were character moments that were a bit off, but uh, overall it was an enjoyable episode. It was. Those were fun to see. All those, uh, all those little nods and things. They were, they were enjoyable to see. Okay, so uh, moving away from TV news, uh, comic books. Uh, you know, we seem to always leave them towards the end of our discussions, mainly because uh, I don't know. My enjoyment's kind of gone out of them a bit. Uh, we were discussing off air, so to speak, uh, before we started recording this podcast that you couldn't even recall what happened in Action Comics 898. <laughs> uh, I had to look it up. I, I, <laughs> I, I saw it there and I said, I thought I read Action Comics 898, but uh, something about Lois Robot working for Brainiac just doesn't sound right to me. And I looked it up and sure enough, uh, at the end we find out that the Lois bot has been working for Brainiac all along and I have no absolutely no memory of seeing that. I don't remember seeing Brainiac in the story. I don't remember seeing the Lois bot betraying Lex. I don't remember any of this. Yeah, and it, is that just is that a uh, a reflection on the story that it's just not having the impact? Well, I'm certain I'm kind of an idiot and my mind is, <laughs> you know, is is missing at times and I'm always tired and maybe I have a little senility creeping in, but uh, it it must be and I think that, you know, I've kind of been on the fence, whereas you've been you've been pretty well established in your uncertainty about this storyline, where I've been saying, well, you know, I like to see Lex, and uh, I think I'm coming to your side now. As far as it's it's really not much of anything I care about. I, I you know, I don't yeah. even know why Lex has a lowest spot. I understand that he's evil, but is he also? A lunatic? Is he insane? Is he? Is he? I mean, what? What? What are we establishing Lex as now? I mean, is he? Is he? Does he need to be locked up in a in a straitjacket? Is he goofy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that he needs this Lois bot around him. I don't even remember that in this continuity he had anything for Lois. I didn't. I didn't know that he cared about Lois in any way other than to smash her under his boot. But clearly, he's got some sort of an infatuation that he has a robot. That looks like are hanging out with him now. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, you know, as you know, I haven't necessarily been impressed so much with this storyline, mainly because of the fact that I don't know much about this whole black sphere, white sphere, green lantern, orange lantern right. stuff. But that's your fault. That's yeah. not their fault. Yeah. Well, I guess they I don't sh- need to establish their story before they tell it to you. <laughs> but, Figure uh, it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. Um, yeah. But uh, we are hearing that uh, obviously Action Comics 900 is just around the corner and Thank Superman goodness. will be coming back into the books and um, yeah, Paul Cornell is, is leaving, he's nearly finished 
his run on the book. So it'll be interesting to see just how they incorporate Superman back into uh, his flagship title. It's been two years now. So you, mm. I, I mean, it feels you, like it. No, it has. In 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 uh, a year before he was, it was uh, Nightwing and 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 Flamebird. Yep. And we had a year of that, and now we've had a year of of, of Lex. Yep. I'm with, I know. I, and he's not in his own. Superman is not in his own book for this amount of time. I know I sound like a, a crying fanboy, but this is ridiculous. And then you've got uh, Superman 709 uh, continuing the grounded storyline. He's in a book. <laughs> he's in a book. Uh, a but he's kind of wish he wasn't in this particular book well, at he's, this time. But... He's out of character in, in, in a lot of respects because of outside influences. He's depressed. He's not feeling, uh, not sure of himself. He's unsure about what his role is, whether or not he has an impact on, on future generations, on other heroes. And uh, he's, uh, in this issue, uh, coming across the Flash and uh, having a good old chat with him in a diner, talking about, you know, whether or not uh, he should be an inspiration and how he can be an inspiration and, and all that kind of stuff. Reading this story, I thought Superman has been watching Smallville. This is what I, got, <laughs> this is what I took out of it. <laughs> Out of this story, because is he, I mean, he is he not Clark from Smallville in the story saying, I don't know, I'm not inspiring, I don't, you know, um, I thought we were, again, we were well through that. But of course, there's outside influence and we don't know exactly what's going on. But again, another story that I've been sort of defending while most people have kind of been pretty sure that it's that it's bad apples. And I'm starting to think that uh, if we made a pie from this story, it would be pretty rotten. Well, a nice analogy there, but uh, it's, yeah, um, interesting. Uh, you know, he was Wonder Woman the previous issue, now Flash, and um, it's becoming formulaic again. You know, we spoke about that. You know, he moves into another town and has a problem and comes across it and fixes it and then moves on to the next town. And uh, in this one, it's the Flash with his Kryptonian headband giving him all sorts of uh, an infusion of historical facts and um, in, and discussing the Superboy Kid Flash race. And, yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, it is what it is, and it didn't inspire me whatsoever, but um, that's the grounded storyline in a nutshell. Yeah, it is. Now, uh, what is kind of interesting me, but not necessarily uh, being great so far, is this Reign of Doomsday that is also going on in the comics right now. Yeah, well, it's interesting that this is a story that is kind of being uh, touted pretty highly by Dan Didio and some of the others saying, oh, Reign of Doomsday is epic. and But it's in a, cr- a cross-section of books that you wouldn't necessarily read. I mean, the second part was, well, still was still number one was the first issue, and I'm sure a lot of Superman fans would have picked you know, we would have bought that uh, comic book, which was a couple of months ago now. Uh, that was the first part of the Reign of Doomsday story. Then we waited a couple of months, and if you weren't aware of it, it was part two was in Outsiders number 37, a comic book that I don't necessarily, well, I've never read, and I, I bought that issue I because, of, yeah, well, I bought the issue because Reign of Doomsday continued in that uh, particular comic book issue. And then JLA number 55, uh, a week later, uh, or two weeks later, was the the, uh, the next part of the Reign of Doomsday story, kind of shoehorning it in with its going ongoing Eclipso story, which seems a bit unfair to the writer to have to do that, but uh, it was handled yeah, pretty well. 
Yeah, it does seem unfair, and it also seems a little sloppy. Uh, you know, they're making a big deal of the Rain and Doomsday series, and and that it's going to change things, and it's going to be great, and it's epic, and and yet they are, they don't really have its own place for it. They're just kind of fitting it in wherever they can. And I guess it's 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 kind of like they're saying it, but not saying it. We want you to buy these other books, and we're hoping we can get your money by putting Doomsday in them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I understand crossovers and I understand the point, um, but I don't know that it does service to this story or service to the Outsiders or the JLA Eclipso story by doing it this way. And it's interesting because you've got to wonder how does something like this f- come come into being? I mean, whose idea was it? Was it an editorial idea? And they say, hey, writers. Uh, you're going to put it in this issue, you're going to put that in this issue, because it's not one writer writing the whole saga. It is the individual writers of those particular comic book titles having to continue on a Reign of Doomsday story, shoehorning it into their own, their monthly comic book. Uh, right. I, I, somebody said, well, it's been about five years now, it's time to bring Doomsday back, and, and let's just do it. Yeah, and, and that I think that might be as far as it went. <laughs> and they said, "Okay, well, where are we going?" You know, Outsiders thirty-seven was not that good. No, it I mean, didn't. I don't know those characters, but I'm thinking now that whatever this story is, I didn't even need to buy this. I didn't even need to read it. Nothing. I mean, I've seen giant monsters kill people before, and this is just a giant monster in the form of Doomsday beating down some superheroes that I don't read about on a regular basis, and then. Uh, apparently killing the eradicator that I didn't even know was around or looking like he does <laughs> in, in this story. I, I, I feel like I haven't read a book in 10 years, uh, but uh, you know, uh, clearly he's been around in the outsiders and uh, someone wrote that he had been cloned or recreated or that this was an original that, that, that wasn't around before. I'm just confused. Yeah. Well, and for people who aren't following this doom reign of doomsday story, or don't know where, where it's going. Supposedly doomsday has returned has these abilities where he can suddenly start mimicking other superheroes that he's fighting, can mimic their powers immediately as he's fighting them, and he's going around collecting, so to speak, the uh, heroes that he, the superheroes that he fought during the Death of Superman story. Steel was the first one. Then, as you said, it was the Eradicator in Outsiders number 37, and it was revealed at the very end of JLA number 55 that the person he was going for in that one was the Cyborg Superman, yeah. So uh, yeah, clearly, I, I mean, I think it was established, and I kind of had the idea in the Steel episode that he's going to be going for the people that came and tried to replace Superman. Hmm. I'm guessing it's because he's trying to attract Superman's attention. Although I would say that if Doomsday showed up and started killing a slew of superheroes, that that would attract Superman's attention, whether they used to wear the S or not. And for some reason, Superman's still walking around talking to Flash <laughs> and has no interest in this Doomsday story. So, uh, yeah, well, he will in Action Comics 900, we're told. So uh, waiting a couple of months uh, while Doomsday... Who's got to go for next? Uh, we've Steel, Cyborg, Superman, Eradicator. I guess the next is Superboy. Superboy. And that, I believe, is going to happen in Superman Batman Annual, which will be... Uh, I think it's next month, the Superboy at Batman Annual. I'm just trying to look at, find it uh, on the you schedule. You know, it's a long, drawn-out amount of time for not really too much story. Yeah, and like you said, it's uh, it, it's trying. They're trying to hype it up, and but um, 
I don't know. Uh, I think you'll find that a lot of people, once Action Comics 900 hits the shelves and realise that this doomsday story has been going on in other titles, will start scrambling to find where it's actually been uh, written, uh, where these other parts happened beforehand. And, or it maybe... really won't be missing much, except for <laughs> no. maybe the Steel. The Steel episode had its own character development. It had stuff with Steel, and it made a little sense toward the end when, when, when it happened and, and when he carted Steel away. Uh, but the other stuff is is really lacking. Yep. Now, the only other comic book I wanted to touch on was Superboy. Uh, as I mentioned, it was kind of referenced in Superman 709 where uh, Superman and the Flash uh, noticed on TV that Superboy was uh, racing Kid Flash to raise money for uh, all those people that had buildings and things destroyed uh, in Smallville. Right on. That's what you do if you wear a superhero <laughs> uniform. Now, if you're not uh, saving someone's life. You're saving their houses and their crops by racing around the world. <laughs> now, what I, heard. What, what I find interesting about Superboy is that uh, it, they are really bringing in his own kind of family of characters that he uh, um, can, you know, uh, supporting characters. And it's kind of building a nice family of, of characters there for readers of that title. It is very cool. Uh, what I didn't like about this, and I actually like the book very much, what I didn't like, and this is going to be a nitpick that a lot of people will say, you are a nerd, get over it. Um, at the beginning of the episode, they tell him, you know, go, you're off, and it's, and it's Superboy versus Kid Flash. And at the end of the book, Pete announces that Crypto has won. <laughs> and the reason that Crypto has won is because he crossed the line before they did. But <laughs> go back and look. Crypto was not in this race. <laughs> He was with them, but he was not racing, which means he cannot be declared the winner. I understand they didn't want to say who's fastest or that Kid Flash is faster, which is a ridiculous thing anyway. But Crypto wasn't in the race, so he can't have been awarded the win. (laughs) You know, it's like me if I was in the if the New York City Marathon was going on and I happened to walk out onto the street just as they were crossing the finish line and I passed it before the first person who actually won and they awarded it to me. Yep, exactly. I wasn't in the race. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, I wasn't even involved. They didn't track me. They don't know who I am. But okay, you you win. You cross the line first. You're the winner. Right. <laughs> now uh, you did cross the line at your McDonald's and you picked up a Happy Meal toy. I did. I did. I was so excited. I went. I got to tell you this. I went the the first day that I went to get it. We were going to Wendy's, and I said, "Well, I'm going to get McDonald's because they have Young Justice Happy Meals at McDonald's." And again, ten year old that kind of thing jumping around. I went. I was in line. I went up to the thing. I said, "Which, uh, young, which, what Happy Meal toy do you have?" I didn't say Young <laughs> Justice. I said, "What, what Happy Meal toy do you have today?" And she said, "Well, for the girls, we have." And she's telling me the girls, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cares about the girls? Go to <laughs> go to the Young Justice." She says, "We have the princess, whatever." And then, and for the boys, we have. Uh, it looks like we only have Robin. And I'm like, "Oh." And the Robin is like Robin. He's on a motorcycle, but it's one of those where the motorcycle is really the body of the toy, and the, and the legs are kind of painted on the side of the motorcycle, and his body kind of comes up on top, and it doesn't look right. And I'm like, oh, uh, he he uh, he already has that one. So <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I just overweight. And uh, we should uh, pipe up here and uh, tell uh, you have how many boys in your family? I don't. Uh, I have none. <laughs> I have two girls, and, and uh, they really have no interest in a, in a Young Justice Happy Meal. But I did go back, and I got the Superboy. And uh, again, I, I played it as, what do you have? And, and uh, I, of course, have my Superman um, 
air freshener hanging from my rearview mirror, <laughs> and I have my Superman uh, beanie on with the Superman symbol right on it. So I'm talking to her at the window, and I know she knows that it's for me, but I'm pretending <laughs> it's for somebody else. And uh, she uh... says we have. Super- so I'm expecting to get Superman, and she gives me the Superboy. So that's just a state of the world that we're in that they don't even know. <laughs> Superman doesn't look like this, but it's cool. His uh, you, you move his arm and his uh, his red S lights up and his eyes light up and uh, it's it's neat. There you go. So uh, if you haven't gone out and got your McDonald's Happy Meal Young Justice toy, uh, whether or not you do what Scotty did and pretend it's for somebody else, or you actually go up and ask for it for yourself, he, uh, he already has that one. We don't. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, they're available now, so uh, probably for a limited time. So. Did I mention I love Young Justice? Yes, you I have. You have. Oh, okay, all right. All right. <laughs> so, uh, yep, Young Justice Happy Meal Toys available at McDonald's now for a limited time. Very nice. Let's start with the big question. You know, uh, we should do last month's question. Yes, let's do that. Like you know, Last month's big question was... What do you think of Henry Cavill being cast as Superman? And we got a lot of uh, a lot of responses to this one, as you said yeah. we would. Um, everyone's, excited. everyone's excited about it. Now, first up, uh, because you asked for it, uh, we have a recorded audio answer to this big question from Ooh. Mikey B. So uh, let's hear what Mikey had to say about his thoughts on Henry Cavill. Hi, Steve. Hi, Scotty. Mikey B. responded to this month's big question. I hope I'm right about this, but I think Henry Cavill is perfect. I've watched all four seasons of The Tudors and remember thinking that this guy has such a presence and I felt that, in my opinion, he would resonate with the Superman fans and with the general audience and would it would be a big draw and really help the movie. Um, yes, the movie still has to be great. It has to be amazing. We have to get great action. We have to have a good story. we got to care about the characters. All that's got to be there. But we, but we have to have a, another draw, and I think this guy will be that. I hope he'll be that. As I said, I hope I'm right about this. And I, and I also hope that, um, you know, our only concern leaving this movie is not that he's British, not that he's six foot one, or, or that y- you felt that he could have had another 10 pounds of muscle. I hope your only concern is, and all of us fans, is when can we go see this movie again? Well, anyway, guys, that's it. Um, thanks for the great work you do. I'm um, looking forward to the movie. As I said, hopefully a great casting of Henry Cavill. And um, talk to you later. Well, thank you, Mikey. Now, uh, next up, we have uh, Derek Stokely, who wrote, First of all, I want to give a big welcome to Scotty V to Radio KAL and say hi to Steve. Well, thank you, Derek. Thank you. I always enjoy listening to your insights on the world of the Man of Steel. As for the big question, I really believe that Henry Cavill will make a fine Superman. I really think that some of the naysayers should stop their criticising the decision of a British actor playing an American iconic character. If uh, we the sci-fi comic book fans can accept Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard and Professor X or Christian Bale who was from Wales to play Batman and Andrew Garfield as the new Amazing Spider-Man, then we can give Mr Cavill a chance. I really believe that he could do the role justice. If he couldn't, Zack Snyder wouldn't have chosen him. When we get to see Henry Cavill as Superman when the film is released, I hope he'll prove the fanboys wrong. As for the female lead villain, I would love to see Olivia Wilde or Scarlett Johansson in that part. He had a lot to say there. He did. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, Juke Early wrote, big thumbs up for Scotty V. Thank you, Juke. I've got my thumbs up for you, man. 
Uh, he says, uh, obviously a Superman man, referring to me. I could tell he held back a bit in his first KAL, but really showed up for February. Miss Neil, you bet. But thanks, Scotty V, for joining the never-ending battle. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Duke. With, Very nice sentiments. Yeah, absolutely. And he says he's with us both 110% on Cavill. Uh, I saw all 40 Tudors episodes, he says, and Cavill's an excellent actor possessing physical abilities and true gravitas. Good choice, Steve. P.S. You don't ever want to shovel a few feet deep of snow. As a kid, I always wished Soups would come and do the driveway. Then I realized he'd do the roads, too, and we'd have to go to school. I kept my wish to myself after that. <laughs> and that's in uh, reference to Scotty's uh, comment last uh, Radio KL episode where he said that the, uh, the driveway was uh, full of snow. Yeah, and we have more snow since, probably more than we've had all year. Wow. Okay, next we have Jeremy Petrovich who wrote, I could not be happier with Henry Cavill being cast as Superman. I remember when I first saw him in The Count of Monte Cristo that I thought he would make the perfect Superman. I'm an American that doesn't mind at all that non-Americans are being cast as American superheroes. To me, it shows that the producers are looking for the best person to play Superman. Mr. Cavill is an excellent actor that should be able to make most of the audience see Superman, not Henry Cavill. Calvin Bowes wrote, I'm glad the fans are not part of the criminal justice system. Otherwise, they would have had Cavill executed without a trial. I think he looks fine, but I also think we need to wait and see him and the film before we judge. If all of you remember when Keaton was cast as Batman, there were so many people angry about his casting. And four years later, those same people were mad he was gone. Let's wait and see. He may surprise you. Yeah. Now, Starla, uh, Calvin Bose's daughter, uh, wrote, I'm excited that there is going to be a new Superman movie. I hate that I have to wait two years to see it because I want to see it now. As far as the new Henry, uh, new guy, Henry Cavill, I think he's really cute and I think he'll make a good Superman. He can take me on a flight over Metropolis anytime. If I was older, I would want to play Lois Lane in the film. But remember, guys, I'm just six years old. Uh, I'll be old enough to play Supergirl and I'm blonde too. So you can cast me in that film then. <laughs> Superman That's rocks. Right. Nice in dream, Stella. <laughs> yeah. Right. A little older than six years now, but in six years, I guess she'll be about 16 or so. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Have... She says, sorry, remember, guys, in just six years, I'll be old enough. So I don't know how old she is now, but uh, in six years, she'll be old enough to play Supergirl. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, we also have Mario, Lope, Mario Lopez. Now, is this the Mario Lopez? Uh, good question. That would be cool. <laughs> Uh, from Saved by the Bell, and now he's writing to us. That's awesome. <laughs> Hello, Steve and Scotty. I honestly didn't know who Henry Cavill was until it was announced that he would be playing Superman. I've recently seen a couple of pictures of him and don't really know what to think. However, there was only so much you can tell from a picture, and I am looking forward to seeing how he does in the role. I felt the same way about Brandon Routh at first and ended up loving him in Superman Returns. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a good one. Well, thank you, Mario, whoever you may be. Uh, Sarita Luna wrote, Hey guys, I won't lie, when I first heard Henry Cavill was chosen to play Superman, I was taken aback, but not upset, mostly because of his nationality. But in reality, that is a petty and unacceptable reason to be upset. In fact, after reading the article in Entertainment Weekly, I am fully convinced that Mr. Cavill is an excellent choice for the role, at least physically. Truthfully, I am more, far more concerned about these third act issues we've been hearing about. Either way, I'm simply anxious to see my favourite superhero grace the silver screen once again. Stay classy, guys, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Sarita. Nice, thank you. David Landon wrote, All the strong reactions I've seen to the news of Henry Cavill's casting seem way off base. The guy looks as much like Superman as Chris Reeve did when he first got the part, and I understand he's a fine actor, so what's the problem? Even if the movie's a gigantic failure, it won't be Henry Cavill's fault. 
Remember that the best films in the Superman series, Superman 1 and 2, and the worst, Superman 3 and 4, all starred Christopher Reeve in the title role. Reeve's performance in the last two films isn't what made them terrible. It was the creative decisions made by the producers and the directors. The question we should be asking isn't, will Henry Cavill make a good Superman? It's, will the creative decisions made by Zack Snyder and the producers result in a good Superman movie? Maybe when the film's production is further along, we'll have enough information to answer that question. Thank you, David. Now, Billy Hogan writes, I enjoy each monthly episode and the weekly Superman... I'll start again. Billy Hogan writes, I enjoy each monthly episode and the weekly Speeding Bulletin podcast. While I miss Neil Bailey, Scotty V, you're a perfect replacement. Your great Scott segments are a lot of fun. One thing a lot of Superman fans who are critical of Henry Cavill being cast as a man of still forget is that while Superman was raised an American, he belongs to the world. As a teen in the 1970s, I read the classic Superman origin story laid out by Carmine Infantino, penciled by Kurt Swan and inked by Murphy Anderson. At the end of that origin story, Superman was granted honorary citizenship in the member countries of the United, Station, United Nations. Superman represents the best of humanity, not just of the United States, and we need to remember that. I've never heard of Mr. Cavill, but then I don't have time to watch a whole lot of movies. As a good actor, I'm sure that he will be able to do an American accent, much as Christian Bale has done with Batman. While Watchmen wasn't perfect, I have confidence that Zack Snyder will treat Superman right. He did a great job of adapting Frank Miller's 300. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you, Thank Billy. Thank you, Billy. Jeffrey Schlich wrote... Uh, <laughs> I guess. Uh, sorry, Jeffrey, if that was, uh, you know, train wrecked, but uh, I did my best. I'm fine with Henry Cavill being cast as Superman. He has the right look based on the pictures in the February 25th, 2011 Entertainment Weekly cover feature, and he can act. He'll be fine. I also have a lot of confidence in Zack Snyder. One word, Watchmen. And of course, Christopher Nolan is a genius. My only concern is the plot. Don't screw this up again, Hollywood. Just adapt John Byrne's Man of Steel and make it the greatest Superman movie in history. It's that simple. Great show, guys. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah. Now, Guthrie McLean writes, When I see Cavill on screen, I want to be able to think it's Superman and not just think it's some regular guy in tights. In addition, I hope to see in Cavill's performance is a confident tough speaking and acting like Superman and occasionally cutting loose like Superman. My initial reaction to this news was, oh, he doesn't look like Reeve, but I'll have to get used to that. Though I do like seeing Aussies or Brits give their take on American accents. I'm excited. All right. Dan wrote, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what Henry Cavill will do as Clark Kent slash Superman. I watched him in the Tudors for all four seasons and thought he was a very good actor. I'm not worried about his height or his nationality. It may breathe some new life into the franchise to have someone who would not be considered your typical Big Blue playing the role. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Dan. Now, thank you to everybody who responded to the uh, Big Question segment. That's uh, refreshing to see a lot of uh, replies to our Big Question segment. Uh, What's our new Big Question? We are going to ask, what do you want the Superman costume to look like for the new movie? Uh, the colors, the material, the S, the cape, boots. Do you want it to be CGI? Let us know your thoughts. And that was uh, an idea submitted by Mikey B. So thanks for that. Yes, thank you, Mikey. Now, if you want to get involved with the Big Question segment of the show, you can send your answer to us by clicking on the Big Question button found at the Superman homepage, and we will read out all the entries we receive. Uh, Alternatively, as uh, we heard this podcast, you can send an audio answer as an MP3 file, and we will play that in the next Radio KAL podcast. Lois and Clark adapt to their new life. I'm not so sure about this. It'll be fine. Lots of parents return to work. 
But how can we not be with her every waking moment? Because we can't be with her every waking moment. That would be impossible. But she's our little girl. Ours. Someone else raising her? I mean, isn't that wrong? Baby Lara gets to meet her grandparents. That's my little girl's little girl, and I'll be damned if she's going to think some podunk farmer is her grandfather. Some podunk farmer is her grandfather. Now you just wait a minute. You can't talk to my husband that way. Don't be offended. He talks to everyone that way. It's part of the general lane je ne sais quoi. And things are about to go from bad to much, much worse. The computer's picked up an ambient signal from space. Can you tell what it is? It's Kryptonian. Rough seas are ahead in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 75, on March 30, 2011, only at PendantAudio.com. Something looms on the horizon. Guys, I gotta go. Is everything all right? Yeah, well, I mean, probably for now. And Kara must prepare to go face it. So what said to you? Why'd you drag me all the way across town to this joint? I needed to talk to you somewhere private. But life in Metropolis is full of interruptions. Is it just me, or is he dressed like a... I said nobody move. Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 47, coming March 30th, 2011, only at PendantAudio.com. Bailey's Bookshelf. Now Michael Bailey returns with a new Bailey's Bookshelf segment and let's hand over to him now to see what trade paperback or hardcover he's reviewing this time around. Hey everybody and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the segment here on Radio KAL where I walk over to the bookcase, pick out a Superman trade hardcover novel or in some cases reference book and take about five or so minutes to explain why you should or maybe shouldn't read it. This month, I am answering the call from a listener named Calvin Bowes to talk about Superman reference books. Now, I have done this in the past. I did talk about the Krypton Companion uh, some time back on this segment. And the book that Calvin actually asked me to talk about, uh, I'm not going to this month because I have to find out where it is in my house. It is disappeared somehow. Uh, But, just to show that, yes, I I do listen to listener requests, I picked out another Superman reference book to discuss, and that is Superman, The Complete History by Les Daniels. Les Daniels is something of a hero of mine when it comes to comic book reference material. Uh, Back in 1971... Uh, A book was published written by Les called Comics, A History of the Comic Book in America. 
which I found when I was in college and was fascinated with because it actually contained a copy of what the Comics Code Authority was uh, said and stated uh, when it was created back in the 50s. But he's also written a bunch of other books like Marvel, Five Fabulous Decades of the World's Greatest Comics, which was published in 1991, DC Comics, 60 Years of the World's Favorite Comic Book Heroes in 1995, and starting in 98 and ending in 2000, he wrote three books to tie into the 60th anniversary of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. The Superman one was called, as I said, Superman the Complete History, The Life and Times of the Man of Steel, and really would be a great addition to any Superman fan's bookshelf. Uh, it, It says complete history. There are some things left out. But Daniels painstakingly talks about the creation of Superman uh, by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster and covers all of the major beats of his comic book and media existence. He talks about the radio show, the serials, the George uh, Reeves Adventures of Superman series, the Christopher Reeve Superman films, the uh, Lois and Clark uh, Superman, uh, the animated series, does not discuss Smallville because this was, you know, like two or three years before Smallville came out. And, to me, gives you the best overview of the Man of Steel's history. It is chock full of great photographs, comic covers, uh, it even has a sidebar towards the end of the book on the Steel movie, starring Shaquille O'Neal, which came out in 1997, which I own on VHS, and would buy a DVD if it was available. It's, it's, it's not actually a bad film. It's, it's, it's a nice television pilot. If it had been done as a television pilot, I think it would have had uh, more legs, but, but that's beside the point. I'm getting off topic. Um, but what it also has, which I think is kind of cool are reprints of comic books uh, of Superman stories. And this goes back to books like Comics, A History of the Comic Book in America, and Jules Pfeiffer, The Great Comic Book Heroes, which was one of the first books written on comic book characters back in the 60s. They used to contain reprints of certain comic books. Uh, Comics... uh, the, the first one Les Daniels did actually has like an old Green Lantern story in it and it's really it's a really great way to bridge the chapters by giving you a sample of what the comic book stories of that particular era that you just read about was like it even reprints my favorite Lex Luthor story ever Metropolis 900 Miles by John Byrne fantastic story and just pretty much says everything about that version of Lex Luthor that you need to know Uh, this book should still be available Uh, I I have still seen it in bookstores and you can probably get it on Amazon and all that there was a version uh, a truncated version I guess I should say of the book called Superman the Golden Age that was included in this really neat um uh collector's edition kit that has a Superman statue in it that I have 
sitting up somewhere in the house and it had a copy of that book and it was just it's just a really neat little thing that my sister gave me years and years and years ago one of those things that i love but would never buy for myself because it is quite expensive but she managed to find it on clearance somewhere and snagged it up for me which i did appreciate it and that is it for this month uh remember to check out from crisis to crisis a superman podcast hosted by myself and jeffrey taylor every week we chronicle another month in the life of the Superman that existed between Man of Steel number one in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. And you can find that every Thursday right here at the Superman homepage. And now back to Steve and Scott. Thank you, Michael. Now, remember, if you have a suggestion for a trade paperback that you would like Michael to review, you can email him at michael at supermanhomepage.com and he will try to use that suggestion in a future podcast. Super secret soundbite. Well, last month's sound came from the Smallville Season 10, Episode 12, Collateral. Ten people guessed it correctly. Who are they, Steve? Well, we've got uh, Quinton Piper, David Riley. Brendan Savinsky, Sarita Luna, Mario Lopez, Fred Walsh, Arjun L, Guthrie McLean, Stephen Holmes, and David Abraham. Good job, guys. Yeah, congratulations to all those people. Uh, Let's see if they and more people can guess which episode of Smallville this new sound comes from. Okay, well, I guess if Puff Daddy can become Diddy and Prince can say he's that squiggly thing, but I'm worried about what's underneath. Well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KL podcast. Superman song time. This week we have Superman in parentheses, It's Not Easy by Five for Fighting. Yeah, this is a popular song. I'm surprised we haven't actually played this before. I had Me to, too. Yeah, I had to look back in our archives to make sure that uh, this wasn't one that we'd played before. It's uh, It was a hit for uh, the contemporary rock band uh, Five for Fighting, which is the stage name of American singer-songwriter John Ondrasik. Andra- uh, this is from their second album titled America Town, released in the year 2000, so it's 11 years old, but it's uh, still a great song. And uh, you can visit Five for Fighting's official website at fiveforfighting.com. Here it is, Superman, It's Not Easy by Five for Fighting. About a home I'll never see 
Scotty V. Now, <laughs> Sorry, uh, that song gets to me every time, Steve. Now, that's the, the show for another month. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a long one. Uh, we've had a lot to talk about. Uh, remember, if there's a suggestion for a topic that you'd like Scotty and I to discuss, perhaps there's a song you'd like us to play, maybe there's a trade paperback you'd like Michael Bailey to review, or a big question you'd like us to pose to the fandom, you can send in all those suggestions using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, and we'll try to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, thank you, Scotty. Thank you, everybody, and remember, look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com.